baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's that time, baby. It is that time. And clearly, uh, Santa Claus will be getting your child's gifts. But you might have to get a gift for your niece or your nephew, you know, and Santa's not going to get those. Parents get some gifts for their kids, too. Oh, do they? Yeah. So, like, you can tell which gifts, like, because Santa has different wrapping paper. Santa has the fun stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And parents get the boring stuff. Yeah. And Santa has different wrapping paper. Like socks. Nobody wants socks for Christmas, <laughs> unless you're an adult. Socks and underpants. Well, we are here to give you some ideas for you, for your niece, nephew, son, daughter. You know, mm. supplemental gifts after, after yep. Santa comes through. He always comes through huge um, sometimes. We go to the Quiver River Electric guest line this morning. A retired teacher and lifestyle author, Meredith Sinclair, joins us on KMOX. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Chris and Amy. How are you guys? Oh, man, we are doing great. We're looking forward to the gifts we yeah. are going to get. So pretend <laughs> pretend like we are children. Um, okay. what, what sorts of ideas do you have for us? Okay, I've got five really cool things. And as a former teacher, I love anything that sort of incorporates a little bit of learning with their playtime. And most of these things do that. So the first thing I want to tell you about is this really cool uh, it's a construction set. It's called the VTech GoGo Smart Wheels Spiral Construction Tower. And what's really cool about it, I don't know if you guys have heard of VTech. They're like a leading toy maker, and they always have really innovative things. So this is an interactive play set that kids build. It's for three and up, and it's so much fun because it's got like a talking dump truck, a spiral tower, and this thing called smart point technology, which means that when kids drive over these smart point areas on the, on the set, they hear like fun phrases about feelings and construction and cleanup, which all helps promote early language development. Plus, it's got like really interactive things like a switch gate, a drawbridge elevator, a swinging crane, lots of imaginative play features. And then you can also, you know, the kids can collect their like different Smart Wheels cars and tracks. So then they get all new responses on the Smart Points while they play with it. So it's super interactive. Oh, I like that. I like the the idea of building, constructing, using your imagination, all of that. Are, do you still recommend Legos as a go-to? Because I, my brother is. 30. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'll still, still play with Legos. They, there are some really complicated yeah. ones. Uh, my friend who uh, is an aerospace engineer, he gets mm-hmm. some of the more complicated like NASA Lego things and the work on them together and just for fun with his kids. Yes. That's would you still recommend that as a go to in any special Lego yes. features this year? Absolutely. You know what? You're absolutely right. That brand is tried and true for a reason. It has been around forever for that reason. And now you're absolutely right. There's this new trend of like kid alting, they call it, mm-hmm. which is making things for grown-ups that tap into their 
playfulness. And we all, it, we actually need play mm-hmm. <laughs> it, for our well-being. We really do. It doesn't just, it's not just for children. As we get older, it is really beneficial for our mental health, our, you know, our physical health, our emotional health. So it is really important. I, I, I agree with you. Like, and there are, there are a couple of things on here uh, that I think parents will love playing with their kids as well. Um, yeah, but absolutely, Lego is definitely one of those. And we have another construction set that I think parents will love as well um, that I'll tell you about. But um, I, I can actually jump to that one first since we're on construction sets. It's called um, Square Goals, Square Goals Augs Megaset. So this is, I'm sure you've seen the trend of magnetic building um, sets. So this is a magnetic building set that kind of goes beyond all that traditional, like build it and knock it down kind of play. What we're seeing now is like, things where you build it, and then you have lots of interaction and play patterns, as we call it, within that building set. So you're not just knocking it down. And as you said, it encourages imaginative play. And this was this is very similar. So it has these Augs characters, so that encourages imaginative play. It's got drawing and crafting elements. It's got cause and effect elements with like how, the way the cars and tracks and marble runs work. And I also love this one because it's a great family toy. So I love things that really work for different ages and stages of kids in your family. So you're not just buying a toy for one kid, but, like, this one can really grow with kids as well. So it's called, um, it's called Square Goals Augs Megaset. So that's really fun, too. Visiting with Meredith Sinclair, retired teacher, lifestyle author. Website is meredithplays.com. And we've got... Um, uh, you know, there there are all sorts of ideas that people are looking for when mm-hmm. it's you want something educational, but you also want it to be fun. And that's a yeah. very difficult balance to find. And I know parents yeah. don't want to give their kids mindless toys. So, right. wh- I mean, what other options are there for that? OK, I've got one for young kids and then one for like kids and then teens and tweens and anybody over seven. So the first one I'll tell you about is called, have you heard of the Tony box? No. At all? Okay. So the Tony box is this really cool. It's a it's really, it's an award-winning screen-free audio player. And what this does is it plays stories, songs, and a, lots of other things. But what I love about it, you have these little Tony characters, which kids love. It's all their favorite characters. And this year, the, the, the latest ones are these little Marvel characters. So Spidey and Ghost Spider. And you, you put the little character on top of this little Tony box. And when you do that, it, it will start to play songs, very specific songs. They come with multiple songs and one unique story. And what I love is kids, like they'll tap the side of the box to move to the next story. Or it's also like, you know, you could, you could have friends and family record stories for kids. So maybe like far away family can record. And what I love is it really gives kids three and up autonomy over their play. They have master over it. They're controlling how to move the story forward. And as a former teacher, like, all that emergent reading, writing is about story. Stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. They're predictable. Like, all that seems, unless you, you know, I feel like as a teacher, I recognize all those things. As parents, we just know that Mm -hmm. our kids are engaged with things, um, but they're really learning. And the, the other one that I want to tell you about that was kind of new to me this year, it's a game called Canoodle. And you might have heard of it just because it's been huge on TikTok. It's got like this, this viral following. But this is a puzzling game. So this is a small game. It has, comes with over 200 puzzles. 
And what happens is you get these little pieces, and it'll show you the puzzle. So you put most of the pieces in the puzzle, but then it will leave about maybe three, three pieces out. And it's your job to figure out how you take these canoodle pieces, and they sort of look like Tetris pieces with little balls on the end, and you have to fit them properly within the puzzle to solve the puzzle. And what they found is, yes, kids, seven, seven-year-olds love it, but parents, it's great for parents. I mean, and as we know, like, from research, if you want to have great, like, memory and brain health, mm-hmm. it's important for you to do puzzles as well, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe you're a jigsaw puzzle person or, like, I do Wordle every single morning, but, um, which really helps me. But also this canoodle game is similar to that. And what I also love is that it's in a small case. would be a great stocking stuffer. Um, but it also invites, you know, generational play. So kids and their parents and their grandparents are all playing together, which I love. Yeah, games like that uh, and even some classic games like Monopoly can be really educational for younger kids. I know, my goodness, my younger siblings, and then I was homeschooled and helped other homeschool families, and you always had the older siblings playing Monopoly with younger siblings who would be in charge of the bank and having to take do all of the math with the bank and also learn not to get ripped off because... You learn how to put people out of business, too. You do learn how to put people out of business. You know, you, you always have the older sibling going, I will give you five of these dollar bills if you give me one of the orange $500 bills. And so games like that can involve the whole family but can be really beneficial for younger kids. Absolutely. I mean, I just think we don't always tend to real. we don't really realize the learning that's happening because it's sometimes very subtle, but it's there. And anytime you're playing something, because you're figuring things out, you're problem solving, you're using critical thinking, you're using strategy. So, you know, these things that I'm sharing today, they all have those elements, which I love. Like we call it playability. Can you play with it many different ways? Can you, you know, problem solve and construct it in a different way, which changes the whole experience? which I love. And then I've got one other thing, which isn't a toy, but I think parents are going to love this. Again, new to me this year, which I, and I think it's really cool. It's called the V-Hush Soothing Sleep Trainer. So this is for, it, it, and it's not just to like put kids to sleep automatically, right? It's interactive and it helps kids play a little bit at bedtime, but their play is leaning them toward better sleep. So it's got like, it's this little device it's got a, like, a colorful touch nightlight so kids can make it all different colors. It's got a glow-on-the-ceiling projector, a Bluetooth speaker. It's got 200 program stories for them to listen to. And then you can also, you know, again, record your own songs or stories using a subscription-free app. So, again, I also love this, too, for people who don't necessarily have their family close by. So grandparents, aunts, uncles, they could record songs and say like sing along with me we're going to sing this song together as you go to sleep which I think is really sweet so we're bringing playtime into like a really soothing way to go to sleep because I know a lot of parents have trouble with that with kids especially around the holidays when kids are so ramped up and excited for everything it can be really hard to have something that like helps kids also playfully fall asleep Meredith, so yeah, Meredith Sinclair. Those are all uh, some terrific ideas. I might have to use that the the toy you were talking about that I can um, fall asleep better. Yeah, he's not. I have, man, <laughs> I I am exhausted today. I didn't. I do not sleep well. So what was that thing again? So this is again. This is by a company called VTech. Yeah. It's called the V Hush 
soothing sleep trainer. Yeah. But I will tell you, the way it looks is really elevated. It's not like a chi- like a very childish like looking thing. You could put this in your bedroom All seriously. Right. And use it. It's really cool looking. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't sleep well either. I actually was thinking I would might want to get one of these just to like <laughs> have the soothing sounds and the lights. I mean, whatever it takes. Great idea. Thank you so much, Meredith. We appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You guys have a great holiday. That's Meredith Sinclair, lifestyle author, visiting with us uh, here on KMOX. You can follow her on Instagram at Meredith Plays. And if you missed any of the ideas that she's got for you soon enough, uh, that interview will be on the Odyssey app where you can go back and listen to it and catch those ideas for yourself, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time, baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Amy, you ever been on Cameo? You ever bought a Cameo? I have not, but I have seen one from a friend who bought one. Okay. Um, I did one for for my mom once. Um, One of the Hallmark movie guys. (gasps) Was it Sam Page? Sam Page? Sam Page is not the St. Louis County executive, but he is one of the primary leading men on Hallmark. Oh. And uh, when everyone was getting super mad at Sam Page during the pandemic, the actor Sam Page was getting all the uh, tweets had to put pin his tweet was I am not the St. Louis County executive <laughs> where, you know, whatever that is. He's from Canada. Sam Page is a Canadian actor. Well, cameo can be used for all kinds of things, right? You know, it could be it could be used to lift somebody's spirits. Hey, speaking of what? lifting, Mason Jar had a cameo for his son, did a cameo for his son with a um, weightlifter. Like oh. a famous weightlifter did one. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I would like to know how you feel about this. All right. Our guy, George Santos. Yeah. Who's been expelled from Congress. He is uh, making, he's got a little side gig. I feel like George Santos probably has 15 side gigs. Yeah. Well, his newest side gig is he is on Cameo. And for $200, you can have him record a message. And for people who don't know what Cameo is, that's exactly it. You pay whatever the fee is. The person that you have sent the request to will say um, or mention whoever you want or whatever you want them to. Um, and then they'll make a video and send you the video. And then it's yours and you can do whatever you want with mm-hmm. it. So I have no problem with that. If you want to give George Santos money via Cameo, fine. So John Fetterman is the senator, one of the senators out of Pennsylvania. And he tweeted this yesterday. He said, I thought my ethically challenged colleague, Bob Menendez, out of New Jersey, Mm -hmm. could use some encouragement given his substantial legal problems. So I approached a seasoned expert on the matter to give, quote, Bobby from Jersey some advice. Hey, Bobby, uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. Amy, first of all, I would love to make you get in trouble. That's what a funny way to say that. All right. So 
it, it's um, again George Santos. Whatever he can do, whatever he wants. Um, but here's Fetterman who clearly put in a cameo request, and Santos did not know it was for Fetterman and did not know that Bobby from Jersey was Bob Menendez out of New Jersey. What I wonder is, <laughs> is this beneath the office of a senator? Is it just good-natured fun? Is this okay? Is this not okay? I'm really going back and forth on this because while I think it is hysterical, yeah. I think it is very funny that he had Santos uh, uh, talk to Bobby from uh, Jersey. And he is rightfully, by the way, Fetterman, going after yeah. his colleague who doesn't belong in the Senate Gold any bar longer. Bob. Gold, Gold bar, bar Bob. Bob should be gone. He, he should, should be resign. Gone. Um, he had gold bars in his pockets that are from foreign dignitaries. He should, he I believe should, Saudi Arabia. Is that what it was I, from? I, I, I want to say that I can't believe he hasn't resigned, but I can totally believe ah. it. But he should be gone. So to your to your question, right, is it beneath him? Here's the thing. Unfortunately, our politics has devolved significantly in the past eight years. And at least in Congress, I know I sound like a broken record, but the House of Representatives truly is the people's house. It's a circus. It's a clown show. And that's fair because we have a lot of unserious people in our country. And I do think the House of Representatives, as nutso wacky as it is, really does represent us because we're an unserious, nutso wacky people for the most part. Okay. The Senate is supposed to be a little bit more dignified, a little bit more gravitas. Now, Senator Fetterman famously wanted to wear shorts and hoodies and they they were able to lower the sartorial standards in the Senate chambers to accommodate John Fetterman. Everyone said that's a shame. It is kind of lame, whatever. John Fetterman now is rightly calling out Senator Bob Menendez for taking bribes and gold money and committing fraud, but he's doing it on cameo with another clown representative, former representative George Santos. This is not beneath John Fetterman. It seems right on brand for Fetterman because he is uh, he is famously disrespectful of the institutions. That's why people like him. He sticks it to people. He sticks it to the institution. But it should be beneath the Just Senate. because he dresses in hoodies? No, and the way he talks. I mean, with his interviews, you can tell that's why he's there. He's like, hey, he's like, Here's yeah, what I don't, we're I don't do. think he's nearly as bad as some of the others who are in Congress or in the Senate. But um, I, I don't know if I like this. I mean, that's his, I think but that's is, his shtick, though. Yeah, I think it's funny, I, and and it is of, of all the things that a senator and congressman or a representative could do and have done. This is so far down the list of of awful infractions. But, but I don't know, man. It's kind of. Well, it's not an infraction. I don't think you asked about the legality of it. No, 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 no. no. I don't mean I don't. I don't mean it legally. I mean infraction. Just like, should you do this? It's unbecoming, but so is taking gold bars from Saudi Arabia. That's worse. That's way worse. Hey, um, we mentioned Gabe Gore, who is our new new new-ish city prosecutor. He had a press conference today. He's going to join us next. Gabriel Gore visiting with us on KMOX. Amy Marks, Coors, Chris Ranji on KMOX. We're about halfway through the program today. It's good to have you with us for this uh, this show and every day from 10 until 1 on KMOX. We go back to the Quiver River Electric guest line this morning. And visiting with us is St. Louis Circuit Attorney Gabriel Gore. 
who uh, held a press conference, oh, about an hour and a half ago uh, here in St. Louis for a progress report over the last six months. Mr. Gore, it's good to talk to you. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, it's uh, good to be here. It, it's good to have you, and, uh, you, you know, we have been uh, following along what's been happening in the city of St. Louis since you took over, and, you know, that's sometime around mid-May. What have you found, and what does your report card over the last six months tell you? Well, that um, that would cover a lot. Um, I would say that... that to sum it up, I would say that we have, um, when I came on board, it was, uh, I think I said in my opening press conference that it was a, a job that, that we had accepted where failure was not an option because to fail would mean that the city of St. Louis criminal justice system would fail because the circuit attorney's office plays a critical role in the city of St. Louis criminal justice system. And I would say that the high-level report uh, of my – the high-level uh, summary of my six-month report is that um, I, I do believe we succeeded in restoring the circuit attorney's office office's place in the St. Louis City's criminal justice system and that we, we are now fulfilling that role. When you look at what the circuit attorney's office, your office, has to deal with, there is both the current caseload uh, that continues to be built, but then also a fairly sizable backlog. Where is your office when it comes to the backlogged cases? I know there were over 250 homicides and over 3,000 felony cases backlogged when you stepped into that role. Yes. Um, so when we talk about backlogs in this office, we talk about the, the, the backlog of homicide cases. Uh, typically, historically, in the circuit attorney's office, you have anywhere between 100 and 115 uh, homicide cases pending. Obviously, those are the cases that require the most resources and are the most time intensive. Um, when I took on this appointment on uh, May 30th, when I was sworn in, there were 250 homicides pending. So so over 100 uh, percent more homicides pending than, than is typical. Um, we have been working to reduce that backlog of homicide cases. We have disposed of 53 homicides since I've been here. But as you mentioned, the work of this office goes forward. So we've charged an additional 37. There are also um, 25 cases or 24 cases that the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department's Homicide Division has asked us to take a fresh look at because they believe that there may be sufficient evidence to go forward, even though those cases were declined by the prior administration. So uh, we're doing all that work. We're doing it with the help of neighboring prosecuting attorney's offices, the U.S. attorney's offices, private attorneys who uh, were previously assistant circuit attorneys in this office, all coming back to help us out and manage that um, tremendous backlog of homicides. St. Louis Circuit Attorney Gabe Gore is with us on KMOX, and that was when when things were apparently bad several months ago. You did hear from a lot of different prosecutors in the area or offices saying we would be happy to help out. Do you have do you have numbers on that? the The amount of people from the outside who have been offering their assistance. 
Um, it's it's well, it's been tremendous. Um, I haven't sat down and counted up the number, but I can tell you that uh, Wesley Bell, uh, the St. Louis County prosecutor, has been uh, tremendous in supporting our office. Um, in the early days, when we literally didn't have enough attorneys to staff the dockets, he was sending down two attorneys um, full time each week to to assist us. And he also um, had an attorney full time helping us out in the warrant office. Uh, those those attorneys are no longer here, but they were critical to our efforts in those initial months. And so we really appreciate that. Um, uh, Franklin County's prosecuting attorney's office has uh, had people coming down, helping us out in the warrant office. Uh, the Missouri Office of Prosecuting Services has been tremendous. They've helped us our office out in the warrant office in victim services um, and really um, have just been tremendous in supporting our efforts. Uh, St. Charles County has been um, a good partner. Uh, Jane Darst, the um, former first assistant here under Jennifer Joyce, has been really a uh, great partner for me in terms of helping to rebuild the administrative side of the office. And her being able to engage in that work is really thanks to St. Charles County Will, willingness to give her uh, time away from her day job as a St. Charles County prosecutor to uh, come down and help us out. So uh, really the uh, support has been tremendous. And of course, on the homicides, like I said, we have the U.S. Attorney's Office um, that has been a great partner with us on those serious cases and, and the private law firms, um, Sandberg Phoenix, uh, Thompson Colburn, and uh, Baker Sturgey um, have been tremendous. Um, Brian Cave has been um, very helpful to us in providing paralegal support. So it's really just been, um, really, we've, we've just been embraced by the community and um, the assistance has been tremendous. And to, to clarify, because you mentioned that some of the cases that were dismissed under the previous circuit attorney, uh, there has been an appeal to see if those cases should be looked at again. Uh, if I'm understanding that correctly, I know Attorney General Andrew Bailey found that there were over 25,000 cases dismissed and also 2,735 cases dismissed by judges for failure to prosecute are those, is it out of that batch uh, that you're seeing some of these cases come back? Um, I, I, I'm not sure about that. But what I was describing is the fact that there's 24 homicides that have been identified by the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department's Homicide Division, where they have said, they have come to us and said, A, we think you should take a second look at these cases. These are homicides prosecutions that were declined, presumably due to a lack of evidence. Um, they maybe uh, have obtained additional evidence or didn't agree with that assessment and have asked us to take a fresh look. And that's something that we're doing. Uh, Gabriel Gore, St. Louis Circuit Attorney, is with us on KMOX. When we were hearing about things that were happening in the previous administration, um, the reporting that was done, that there were a lot of cases that are that were slipping through the cracks or maybe a case would be assigned to somebody who was on leave or just all sorts of what appeared to be administrative errors. Did you notice that a lot of that stuff was going on? And, and if so, how easy was that to clean up? Well, um, what what I have said about that is that when, when I when I came on board, I would describe what the situation I walked into as a troubled law office. 
So uh, things were not running the way they should. Um, we didn't have the staff or the resources to run the way that this office needs to, to run. So uh, that's what we had to get to work fixing. And the biggest piece of riding the ship and getting things working better was to get back experienced prosecutors to do the work. And that's, like I said in, in my press conference, um, that was the biggest question I had when I accepted this appointment. The response has been overwhelming. It has been humbling. Um, and we've brought back 24 attorneys. Of those 24 attorneys, uh, 17 are former prosecutors. Those 17 former prosecutors have over 120 years of prosecutorial experience. They have tried hundreds of your most serious state felonies. And that's the biggest piece of turning things around in this office, bringing back that level of experience and expertise and commitment to public service is invaluable. We're chatting with St. Louis Circuit Attorney Gabe Gore. And if I may ask you about uh, rather famously, uh, the previous circuit attorney, Kim Gardner, had a lengthy exclusion list with which was a list of police officers from whom she would not take cases or evidence. It wasn't officially a Brady list because it wasn't made public. So there was a lot of uh, obfuscation or secrecy around it. it do you have... Uh, whatever that list was, uh, do you know if those officers who are, are no longer on a list, or what is the status of that situation? So I think I I, I said this, um, I believe on the day I was swearing in, uh, sworn in, um, the exclusion list um, did exist. It was a list of names. Um, I I was not aware of any support for the list or what the support might have been for the list. Um, and therefore, it's not something that I've ever relied on or utilized. It was a policy of, of a past administration and has played no role um, in my um, tenure as circuit attorney. Is a list like that ever necessary? Um. I think there was um, a, a reference to a Brady list. A Brady list is something that is common in prosecuting attorney offices. Uh, an exclusion list is not something that um, I am familiar with nor plan to utilize, but uh, a Brady list is something that is a uh, regular a tool regularly used in prosecuting attorney's offices across the, across the country. And Brady, of course, refers to the landmark um, Supreme Court case that says basically there is a obligation by prosecuting attorneys' offices to turn over favorable evidence. And if that favorable evidence is um, evidence that can be used to challenge the credibility of police officer witnesses, you must turn that over. And, and our office adheres to that policy. With uh, regarding then your office relationship to the St. Louis City Police, has was there a at the beginning of your tenure a resetting of that relationship, and have there been ongoing discussions with the police department, uh, the commissioner Robert Tracy, and so forth? 
I, I, I would I would think describing it as a resetting would be appropriate because I think that the relationship between our office and the police department had, had deteriorated. And so um, we kind of started anew. Um, I met with Chief Tracy within my first week of being appointed. Um, we reopened the warrant office, which is where we got the kind of kind of reestablished the interaction between our office and the frontline police officers. Um, in terms of interacting on a daily basis at the warrant office. So um, we've been working kind of up and down the line in terms of uh, at every level of our office has been working with every level of the police department. I mentioned to you how we're working with the homicide division on those those 24 fresh look cases. And that type of collaboration and cooperation um, can really be seen um, at every level of, of our office and the police department. So it's a relationship that is critical to enforcing the laws and achieving a higher level of public safety for all, all of the St. Louis region. It's a relationship that if it's dysfunctional and not working, the, the, the people who end up suffering from that are the citizens of St. Louis. So we're, we're going to work hard to maintain that relationship. Um, I anticipate that we'll, we'll have challenging times in that relationship because that's the nature of it. But it's an important relationship and one that we're going to work to make sure uh, is is professional and uh, productive for the citizens of St. Louis. Talking with St. Louis Circuit Attorney Gabe Gore, and earlier today at the press conference, you said that there is no type of crime that you're looking the other way on. What people, I, I think, what they want to know is what are the results. What so so what is the real world? How is the way the office is operating affecting the streets? Are you do you have any sort of sense of, of whether or not what the office is doing now is leading to an actual safer St. Louis city? Um, I, I believe that a timely enforcement of the criminal laws will have an impact on overall public safety in the city of St. Louis. Anecdotally, you ask me, <clears throat> If I've I've seen that impact already, I will tell you an example of of where where there's an immediate impact. When someone is arrested by the police department and charged with a crime, and that 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 case is applied for, a warrant is applied for at our office. If we don't issue on that warrant, that individual is released and is back out on the street immediately while that application for warrant is pending. Um, As I've talked about, when we came in, there were 6,700 applications for warrants pending. Um, Of those 6,700, we know that the nine of them were homicides, and hundreds of them were violent felonies. We're now charging those cases in a timely manner, and that has an immediate impact of removing those individuals from the streets. It has an impact on police morale. I've heard that from a number of police officers. You know, um, neither neither the police officers nor the prosecutors in my office are in this business to make money. There's ways you can make more money. They're, they're in it because they want to serve. They want to have an impact. They want to uh, help reduce violent crime and crime in, the, in, in, in their community. And I've heard from a number of police officers that they really appreciate the fact that they know that when they make an arrest and they build a case where they have the evidence to hold someone accountable for committing a crime, 
that that's actually happening in a timely manner. So yes, uh, the impact I've seen it. I've been it's been reported to me, and uh, people have told me that they feel it. Um, and we're going to continue um, doing that. And I think the longer we're able to maintain that, the the, the better things are going to be. St. Louis Circuit Attorney Gabe Gore, thank you for checking in with us. We really do appreciate your time today and hope we can talk again soon. Well, thank you for um, having me, and it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. That is, again, the St. Louis Circuit Attorney Gabe Gore, who's been on the job about half a year, a little Mm -hmm. over six months. Uh, He has been with the office and... Uh, reports things are are improving, mm-hmm. which is all we've been asking for in the city. That's Amy Marks Corps. I'm Chris Ranji on KMOX. All right, bottom of next hour, 1230, we're going to talk to Matt Pauley, who is covering the winter meetings from Nashville. He's there live. Mike Claiborne is there live. We'll get an update on what the Cardinals are doing. That's coming up in the next hour. It's Amy Marks Corps and Chris Ranji on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.